Welcome, friends, to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Dark side of being gifted. Hi, everybody. This episode is a bit different. It's a casual conversation between myself and my very good friend, Michelle Royal. We are both women business owners who are intensely sensitive, meaning we're highly spiritually tuned in and we have a lot of overexcitabilities. And so I asked Michelle about recording a conversation that's representative of many of our conversations about our life's journey, about the dark side of being gifted, about the depression, anxiety, and some of the things we've had to overcome to get where we are and that we still work through. So I hope you enjoy this casual conversation and let us know what you think about it. You'll see Michelle's information in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy, but most importantly, I hope you're inspired by our conversation. Cool. So you got to see the card that I pulled for us. Okay. Ooh, oh, the Seven of Cups. Isn't he great? This is a, a card deck I used for light seers. And listen to what it says. It's so, it's so, it's hysterical. My wildest imagination is a tool that I can use to inform my future in a down to earth way. I love it. Isn't that great? When you date, when you daydream your way into the future, the options that you have to in front of you can feel both under and overwhelming. And then it goes on. But that's like so us, right? Like overwhelming, uh-huh. underwhelming, you know, like sound. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were just talking about that, like how loud headphones can be and light and mm-hmm. all that. So I just think it's funny. So I just had to pull that card because every once in a while I just pull them for fun and see. And that fits for you, the innovation. It person. does. It does. It does. Yeah. And I, you know, growing up, I got used to being in the world and absorbing a lot and, and not really reacting or responding to it. So I kind of had a, 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 a shutdown mode through a lot of my life. And in the last, I would say probably the last 10 years, I've really been very conscious about trying to, to open up and not just be aware, also validate the experiences that I'm having. And uh, in preparing for our session, it's like sound and sound and light specifically are I'm really, really sensitive to. And, um, and yet sometimes I really love being in super loud crowds. Like if I'm conscious about it, I, I love going to totally foreign experiences, completely new experiences. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, I almost act in my daily life where I'm doing the work that I do, which is really intense and and big thinking, my off time has to be very quiet. I don't even like, I like music, but I don't like um, talking sounds, big, loud talking sounds in my space. And so light and sound become the sensitivities and I have to be able to calibrate those. And I just I'm finishing up my house. And one of the things I had to have was noise reduction in every single room. So I got the maximum amount of, of uh, what's that stuff called? Insulation. Insulation, yeah. Noise yeah. canceling insulation. And then also um, the dimmers on the light switch I had to have in very specific rooms so that I could calibrate yeah. how I'm experiencing the world. And um, so now I, I don't shut it down. I'm, I'm aware of it because that's just one of the ways of caring for this soul and this, and this body. What am I going to do? It's just the way, I've, it's the way I was made. Right. You know, it's exactly. It's like, and it was made perfect because I just, it's funny you mentioned the dimmers because I've been walking around in my new house going, 
some rooms I need like more light, like this office for this. It's the overhead light makes everything look brown and it's not bright enough when I'm working. It's more of like, I can't read in here or anything without tons of extra light on. And I'm like, so I had to get a different light in here. But then another room, I had to get a dimmer because it was too bright all the time if I turned it on in the dark. Like, and every room has to have its own like kind of vibe. And one of my friends was like, that's like really funny. I said, well, that's what it's like when you live in these highly and intense sensitive beat bodies that we have like mm-hmm. oh and and she goes I just don't know what it would be like to live in one of those <laughs> right oftentimes I get told you know I have a few mentors in my life that have been with me for a long time and every time we do a check-in whether it's once a week or every couple weeks um it, some of the we realize some of the the chaos or the experiences I was having I was creating and some of it is just the natural way of my, that my intensities uh, manifest, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a both and, and there's just a non, <laughs> it's like it would, but the, the constant response that I get is it would be exhausting for me to be in your life for a day. <laughs> so I, I process things really quickly. I accelerate both the absorption and then the learning from uh, specific experiences. And, you know, if I'm able to, I, I'll, you know, work, do a little bit of personal development, and I'll sleep. You know, I don't have, I don't have children or a, a family right now. So I'm able to do that. I'm able to care for myself in that way. But, but yeah, it's, it's all, it's a beautiful thing to care for this being. well and it's so funny because we have to care for ourselves so differently than so many other people like like it's a different rhythm and the rhythm changes and like some days i'll sleep 12 hours and other days i'll sleep four hours and then other days i'll need a nap because of whatever and it's all totally fine and you stay in the rhythm but then if the schedule gets in the way it gets a little tricky like it's like hold on hold on i don't know (laughs) Well, I remember one time going through, because it's a very popular therapy right now. And I know um, you and I were, were hoping today to talk about, so before I go into my topic, we were hoping to talk about... We're talking about kind of the difficulties and the dark side of being gifted. Like, yeah. that people look at us, really, Michelle, they look at you and they look at me, and especially when they see us together... <laughs> And they go, oh, I want to be like that. I wish I could think like you. I wish I had that innovation ability. I wish I had that intuition. I want to be like you. But then when they get close to us, we get the response like you get from your mentors. Like, it's exhausting to be in that world. And I wanted to have this conversation with you about this darker side because it can be romanticized or, or judged as you're being all elitist because you think you're better than everyone else when neither of those are true. And I'm like, you know, when you live it, and it's really part of your everyday existence. And we have to care for ourselves on all these levels that there's more to it than what the outside world sees. So that's what I wanted to talk about with you is like, we have a different reality and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not always rainbows and prettiness and flowers. It's not that all the time. It is sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. So I was um, sort of pick up on that um, years and years and years ago, I was going through a very intense time. So you and I both have psychology backgrounds. We know that there's, you know, five major areas of life. There's your, that have to do with your belief systems and how you're formed. There's your religion, your family life, your career, your orientation or your belief around your whole sense as a being, and then your physical health. And you could say that there's a sixth one, which is your mental health that typically gets batched into the your beliefs about yourself as a being or your right. orientation. And I was going through four of the five major changes. The only thing that wasn't at risk of shifting was my my spiritual belief system. But everything else was um, in an uproar. I had left my husband, changed careers, try, you know, was living mm-hmm. in a new place, was um, on my own for the first time in my life. So the only thing that was stable was spirituality. And I had been um, in my intensities, um, didn't have a whole lot of structure. 
And I was 30. I mean, I was young, so I was exploring life, but but it was really, really, really overwhelming. And I ended up getting diagnosed with something that I just doesn't even associate with me today. And I ended up going through the cognitive behavioral therapy, which is incredibly popular today. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most common therapeutic. You, there's there's apps created for this everywhere. And the whole thing was around give yourself the structure, go to bed at the same time at night, wake up at the same time every day, get get into a routine. And although those things can be good, I believe also that routine for someone who is gifted, sensitive, and talented and has intensities looks very different from a routine for someone who has none of that, right? right. <laughs> and it has it has taken me years because whenever I tried to apply that kind of a discipline, I became almost as intense about uh, that discipline. And, um, and it has taken a long time for me to come to terms with and to really care for the way that this being needs the counterbalance. Because when on the wave of energy and inspiration, I must follow the wave of energy and inspiration. When on the wave of rest and respite and um, hibernation, I have to follow the wave of rest, respite, and hibernation. And the things that become structure have more to do with relationships and activities over a week to two week to almost month period of time versus a day. Mm-hmm. Very different. Very different. It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Hi, puppy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maggie supervising the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. I love that. Yeah, but it's true. Like my routines are completely different. And, you know, all the research on cognitive behavioral therapy is starting to show that it really doesn't work in the long run, that it works in short term, but it doesn't, it does not as effective in the long run. In fact, the whole thing that affects change is rapport with the person helping you, whether it's your mentor or counselor or coach or whoever therapist is rapport wow. is the number one change agent and cognitive behavioral therapy as popular as it is everywhere in the world and everybody's saying it's the thing but if you look at the research of long-term effectiveness it's near the bottom and and gifted people it's quite tricky because we don't do the world the same way and it and trying to fit ourselves into that box i mean having i've tried to fit myself in a box and it hurts more have sharp edges <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this. And uh, and it's funny because even my calendar says morning routine. And somebody asked me, well, what's that mean? What's your morning routine? I said, well, it depends on the day of the week what my morning routine is. Like I do this, <laughs> I do the same morning things, but not always in the same order. And they don't always take the same amount of time. And and that's okay. And sometimes yeah. I do it all in 45 minutes. And sometimes it takes an hour and a half because that's just the way the day goes, you know? Yeah. I know it's kind of wild. It's wild living in different bodies than others. Like, have you ever felt like an alien? All, all the time. As a matter of fact, for um, I would say probably three. I don't know if it was. It was five years ago. I described it to my mother like this, and a part of it had to do with how I came into the career that I'm in. Part of it had to do with the fact that I was you know, the only woman in a male dominated industry. And so I'd typically be the only woman in most meetings, but I was like, I walk in the room and it, it was, I was self-conscious. I was, I was too self-conscious of myself. Right. 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 And, um, and I, and I, I was like, I just feel like a technical or unicorn and I'm just farting rainbows all the time. And I don't know <laughs> if they even know what to do with me whenever I'm there, but <laughs> But I was always there to be of service, and and I um, have been able to do a lot of good work work from that. But then it then it definitely felt like, um, and it's a dangerous thought. This is one of the dark sides of being uh, gifted: is that that not the sense of terminal uniqueness, although terminal might be a good word that there isn't anyone like me in the feeling of aloneness and then the feeling like, like I'm not like other people. I can remember saying my whole life, I, um, 
I didn't want to be viewed as special. I just wanted people to treat me treat me normal out of a desperate, desperate desire for connection because I felt so other than. Yeah. And that's a yeah. dangerous, that's a hard, hard thought because it it created that sense of separation. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to manage. Right. It's really hard to manage, especially when there's people around who don't understand the depth of it or, or what it is even like. And, and I remember thinking I'm an alien, like I don't fit in here. And I remember it in high school vividly and senior class projects and stuff. And I was on the senior board and I'd look at all my friends and I'd go, they think they're interacting with me, but like, I don't know. Am I in here? Like it was just, I wasn't dissociated, but I knew that who they thought I was and who I was, what they thought and who I really was were different. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I remember that very vividly. And even now, sometimes I'll, I remember a client years ago in one of the rehabs I was running, he looked at me and he goes, when you're talking, when I'm talking to you, you look normal for a while and then you switch and it's all different. And I don't know what it is, but it really works. Now, <laughs> and years later, now we know that it's my intuitive gift, but it was so natural to me that I didn't know it was a gift. I didn't know that my intuition was that heightened and that aware. I just thought everybody was like that. Mm-hmm. So I would get judged for being this crazy person. When really, it was just really super strong intuition. And now when I say I'm intuitive, there's some people who like, they understand it or they think they do, but it's different. But I remember those days. I remember people looking at me like, you, you change. I just did it live yesterday, yesterday or the day before, because I do a lot of Facebook lives. Somebody put in a comment in there, in the middle of this, your voice changed. Mm. I went back and listened and it, I don't, didn't hear it, but they heard right. something. Right. And I'm like, I think that's that think that's our our intuition, our spiritual gift showing up where there's a a morphing of something. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I feel it. And I'll bet you feel it too, because you do a lot of into innovation, intuitive work. I mean, that's your work. So I do, and it's um when we talk about a read, I the, as you were as you were talking, I was what came to my mind is it's like Someone who lives in the city, so there's like three, if we think of three phases of it, there's someone who lives in a city and they look up at the sky and they go, oh, wow, what a beautiful night. Look, I can see, uh, you know, so many stars because it's such a beautiful night and the moon's, moon's not out so they can see more stars than normal versus someone who lives in the country and the amount of stars that you can see in the country, right? However, being someone who is highly sensitive and intuitive. So there's intuition, which is my read of things. And then there's my sensitivities, which is my absorption Mm -hmm. or my sensing of the world. So you have the person in the city looking up at the sky. You have the person in the country looking up at the sky. And if you know the difference, it's it's exponential. You see exponentially more stars. But then then you have a satellite picture of the Milky Way. Right, right. And someone who is sensitive, you know, when we talk about there's some, you know, in the NLP world or the neurolinguistic programming world or in the in the world of of brain science or neuroscience, they talk about, you know, we receive 60,000 pieces of information a day or 80,000 thoughts throughout the day or we get in millions, millions and millions of data points. Someone who is highly sensitive is not able to put as many denial or blockers up. It takes a tremendous, it's that is incredible effort. I spent most of my life in that effort and it nearly killed me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finding a way to safely open the aperture. So, because I actually can see the Milky Way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can hear it and I can feel it. Right. And I'll give an example through sound. Um, I'm, I'm staying at a, at a house while my house is getting done. It's on the beach and my neighbors like to have a party. Everyone, whenever I tell them that the music is playing so loud, they say, just put earplugs in. And I said, I, I don't think y'all understand. I can feel it. When I was a child and we would share a hotel room with my parents and my father would be snoring, I would have to take an entire set of blankets and pillows, go under the sink in the bathroom, shut the door 
surround myself because I could feel my body could feel the sound. And that level of sensitivity means that I am more attuned to a lot of different pieces of information that other people are able to just shut out without a problem. And that is a gift, right? It is a gift Mm -hmm. and there's a dark side to it because unmanaged or uncared for, that probably would drive a lot of people a little cuckoo, which, you know, I mean, they wouldn't be able to handle it. And um, I am a person of this world and I serve a lot of individuals. And so it's been very helpful to learn how to handle it. But that is, that is not a fun, it's not a fun experience. I don't always feel like a fun person. Right. It doesn't, it's not always fun. I don't think it is. Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I think about that. I go, it's just, it's categorically different. And yes. And I describe it kind of like, I love the Milky Way thing. You just reminded me. I was um, at this retreat out in California. And finally, I could see the Milky Way because I used to be able to see it in Sarasota and all through Florida until the light pollution got so bad. And so I, haven't se- I hadn't seen it in a while. And, and I love the Milky Way. And I'm like, I love the moon. I love stars in general, the night sky. And, and there was... so the, at night, one of the nights there, there were forest fires nearby. So for most of the nights, it was kind of smoky. But this one night, it was really clear and you could see the Milky Way beautifully. And I was like, oh, I was like connected. And one of the other gentlemen at the retreat came over and he goes, what are you looking at? I said, the Milky Way. He goes, where? Where is it? And I mean, it was like huge. I go right there. That's the Milky Way. And he started weeping because he goes, I've lived in Los Angeles my whole life. And I always wanted to get to see the Milky Way. And he was like in his late sixties, he was so happy. He got to see it. And, and I had a moment of that deep appreciation of things that I'm just so connected to. And I was glad I let myself stop and be connected so that I could show him, but I didn't even know he was ever trying to see the Milky Way. And it's just the volume inside can be so high. <laughs> it can be really high. And you remind me of like, I just was popping into my head because my head, you know, we go 500 different places, but I, um, I was thinking about the, the, the pain and discomfort of um, being able to see and experience and, and most of it's nonverbal right? So we're talking about sounds, smells. I can smell things that most people can't smell. I can smell um, if if someone's washing machine has the tiniest amount of mold growth behind the, you know, behind the the machine itself. Mm -hmm. And it gets, I, I cannot dry my body off with anything that is not a pristine clean. It's just a, it's a thing. It's, I can smell it on my body the entire day. It's, and and some of this could be neuroscientifically, I could potentially rewire it. And yet when we're talking about the sensitivities, these are my senses are more (laughs) intense. So when I see things very clearly, Clearly, because you know, uh, you and I have both made a career. Your vision supplied uh, my innovation work. We both made a career of seeing what no one else sees. You know, seeing connections, seeing pathways, seeing opportunities, mm-hmm. and seeing futures that no one else sees. Which is like seeing the Milky Way, right? right. It's like seeing right. the whole universe at one time, and then going, "Oh yeah, so that's." There's actually, uh, it's not a straight path, but there's there's a path through here that you're we're just not aware of, because so many people are used to being able to have these have their great forgetter on you know on overdrive, right? And um and the there is pain, just like that gentleman who never saw the Milky Way until he's sixty. There's pain. There's that painful point between what I see and my body's verbal ability to communicate that to other people. It has, because we, we, we uh, just like there's all of the senses that have intelligence, information, right? 
There's also, we, we stand so much on the verbal communication, and yet we know 80% of communication is physical in our body and tone, not even the words that we say. And yes. yet, you know, so there's just all of this. So there's that point, and I work with leaders where it's, I can see, I could feel it, the pain of their inability to cast the vision and then inspire others who are less sensitive in that state to build it, to help it come to reality. And some of the best leaders I know are highly sensitive and they, they, want to, they want to equip their team with the tools to be able to move it forward so that the vision can come to life. And it's, it's, it's hard, but there, it, it's almost like you can't use the tool, uh, like we can't use the tool that we thought or that's used by everybody else until we use all this other stuff to be able to try to find the, the word in there. It's almost like we're, we're babies becoming meaning, you know, creating meaning over and over and over again of, you know, all the time. Right. It's a lot. It's, it's just exhausting hearing me talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, I, and I'm sitting here thinking about conversations I've had with helping professionals in the last year or so, but just in the last 48 hours. and totally missing things, totally missing boundaries, totally missing what's appropriate, totally not hearing what I'm saying, even though they think they're hearing what I'm saying, like they really believe they're hearing what I'm saying. And that pain for me is that I know they're not hearing what I'm saying and they're not feeling what I'm feeling. So, and it's hard to express it because words are so totally pedestrian. And in fact, I got so frustrated the other day. I'm like, I'm going to write a blog and I'm going to call it. So you want to help do you? (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm not going to really do that. But I really want to say that because it's like, all right, everybody listen with more than just your ears because what you think you're hearing may not be it. It might be more. And, and I always look for the more you do too. And, but it's like, just like when I called you the other day, I said, Michelle, I only, I knew that only you would be able to help me with that business thing. Um, and I know tons of business people, but you're the only one who gets like the nuance of there's more going on and trusting that mm-hmm. there's more going on. And one cool thing is you're going to love this. I have this, this one client that I just, she's so amazing. Oh my God. And, um, and like we started at the very beginning, she started out with, you know, frustrated with her job, frustrated this and that. And, and then I said, well, you're gifted. And she goes, what? You know, so we started at that, that gift is a thing. And what is it? In the very beginning, months and months and months ago. Well, now she's to the place because she does all the homework and she follows and she puts her notes for herself. Like she's really taking her her personal evolution seriously, right? Really cool, really cool person. And so um, I've been teaching her how to trust her intuition to verify and confirm the messages and senses she gets and to you know not hold it against herself and work on that. Well, she went, she flew out of town to a work conference and then... I said, well, if you got any good stories, send me emails. And so she sent me an email. I got it this morning with this long story about how she gets out in a major city. And um, there's a guy there and says, you need a taxi? And she said, yes. And now she's beautiful and blonde. And I'm sure was dressed very sharp. And um, and she, then she goes, there's something wrong in my gut. And the taxi didn't have a to swipe the credit card in the back seat and I didn't see a number and it was a black SUV and it wasn't in the taxi line and she goes you know he made fun of me but I made him give me my luggage back and I went in the taxi line and she asked the other taxi driver who had this card swiper you know and the whole thing and um and they go oh yes those people rip off it's a dangerous thing and she could sense the danger and trusted herself and made the change midstream versus talking herself out of it and potentially putting herself in harm. So she thanked me for helping her keep her safe by teaching her to trust mm-hmm. her deep sense of safety and intuition. And um, I mean, I got tears in my eyes when I saw that email today because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you never know the impact that you're going to have when you start really trusting what's true, you know? And, and she had an incident not too long before this with, somebody stalking her at a grocery store parking lot and similar thing her gut went off and she got around it and got out of it and I said you know you you trusting yourself 
helped you not be harmed, right? In some manner. She goes, yeah, I really feel that. I go, yeah. I said, so there's that dark side because before we started working together and even in the beginning, it was driving her crazy. She was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, not sleeping. That's why she called me. Difficulty in her relationships at work. And she has a real high profile, really highly mentally challenging job. Lots of difficulties. And now she's, everything's flowing, but that her beautiful sensitivities. I mean, she's beautiful. Her soul is beautiful. And yet trying to fit into this world that didn't understand her sensitivities was, was harming her. And now mm-hmm. she's thriving. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that, um, that she's, that she's learning, you know, because I never like to see people suffer. Well, it brings up an interesting component. You know, I've, I empathy is a huge part of my uh, business practice. I can't remember a time in my life where I did not have empathy, where my heart was full, where I was, you know, always thinking of someone else. Some some of it was born into me because of the nature of my family, and then also uh, when my sister was born, and I was five, and I was the oldest daughter. Um, I had two older brothers, but the oldest daughter. And so there was a lot of responsibility, you know, put on me to look after her. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of empathy in that experience. And if we ever got in trouble, I was always the one to reflect on my own responsibility and <laughs> empathy, etc. There's also, though, the truth of, for me, with I was always very creative. Mm-hmm. I was always very intelligent. I was actually really shy as a child. But the the pain of uh, when we it, going through life because it's just been in the last year of working with you in this way that I've understood my gifted, talented, uh, intense nature and really started to respect it. But the years of growing up and the pain that I felt from the feeling of separation, the feeling of otherness, the feeling of differentness, not knowing how to manage my emotions within all of those experiences, my only, you know, my only source of um, management was really a shutoff, a complete shutoff valve. So not even having any kind of a of a range. You know, it was either on or off. Right. Yeah. And when it was on, it was overwhelming and I'd fall apart. And when it was off, I could manage. So I turned it off for a long time. And when when I say a long time, it means that I would depend on my capacity for acceptable, the acceptable capacity of intelligence or the acceptable capacity of health. <laughs> but the acceptable, uh, I did not find an acceptable capacity truly for my creativity, except through intelligence. And it just took a long, it's taken a long time for me to find the, because that was incredibly, like that sense of otherness is so incredibly painful. And I love that you talked about at the very, very beginning around the importance of relationship and that it is the relationship that really makes it manageable. My team this week said, and my team being my salesperson and my CEO said, yeah, we we finally get the Michelle code. And we believe that we can finally represent her in the, not, not the best way possible, but they just, they were having a hard time. They would experience it and they didn't have it. They would experience <laughs> me in my work, and they couldn't translate it. And then they now finally, they've worked for almost, um, it's, it'll be two years in January. They've worked for two years incredibly, incredibly hard to translate this experience mm-hmm. of working with me and to be able to tell other people about it. And with all of the heart and soul and creativity that I, you know, that I bring to it. And that was really that was amazing. So the the core relationships that you have around you that that help to not just protect but cultivate and nurture mm-hmm. these intensities. I mean, I'm 46 years old, Diane, and I just now have it where someone's not trying to control me, fix me, or change me. 
the opposite. They're trying to hold space for, create more opportunity and bring to life. I mean, that's a totally different, totally different book. Totally different. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah. We know the pain. That's my point. We know the pain and we know, we know the power of being able to uh, connect to that infinite, that infinite source and to not be overwhelmed by it and then move forward with it. Right. Yeah. Cause belonging is so important and being heard is so important. Right. And I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many marketing type salespeople have looked, come to me and said, we have no idea how to say what you do. Right. And it started way before I even knew that what I was doing was any different. I just it, for, initially I was like one of those naive people, like everybody's like this, and I don't really understand why they're not using it. <laughs> and then I realized one day, no, that's not the case. <laughs> um, but people look at me and they go, "We don't know how to. Uh, we we don't know how to translate this out into the world." And I'm like, "Well, okay." You know, it used to kind of hurt my feelings a lot, and I felt so different, and I felt alienated, and and I overheard bosses in different places I worked going, I have this person who can just fix everything. And she just knows things. And I'm like, who are they talking about? And then I had people make up stories about what I could do in order to like, kind of like use my skill behind my back, you know, and like get me to do things, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And so it's been a real rough ride on and off with being heard and validated and feel like you belong somewhere when most people look like confused dogs sometimes when they were talking to me just now, just now in my life, really, there's more and more people who are getting it. I don't know if it's because of culture's waking up more or um, I'm just around people who've evolved more too. I don't really know the different why, but. Or you created a podcast called someone gets me and people are like, wait a second. I totally get that. Right. Finally. Yeah. yeah. Maybe finally that's part of it is I finally started talking about it. At, in a real way, you know, it's crazy. Like somebody put a thing out on a Facebook group and I never answer those. Like I know what to do kind of thing. And, but I had this intuition to say something. So she messaged me and then we talked on the phone yesterday and I said, so you're gifted and you have all these overexcitabilities and you're looking for a diagnosis. Well, what if I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you? Mm-hmm. It's how do you manage those things? And she was like, Thank you for saying that. I was going to be in gifted program when I was younger. and My mother didn't want me to have that different experience. And I was told that nobody likes a smarty pants, especially in a girl. And she was telling me all these things. And I'm like, thank you, God, that I followed my intuition and said something because I never do. But I just knew I needed to. I'm getting goosebumps now. Mm -hmm. And, And that brought me joy. But it also, I can remember my pain, my feeling like that. And I know which poor lady's going through, even though I've never, never seen her. I don't need to, when we're talking on the mm-hmm. phone, it's like, Oh, I totally get it. So there's great relief when we finally have somebody who gets us. Mm-hmm. You know? There is. There it's is. Crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Then there's that whole depression and anxiety that come together that work our bodies too. Well, and I want to thank you for also, you know, it was a year ago when we started the conversation around, uh, because I've not, I haven't read every book. It's not that I've done everything. I've sought out a lot of therapies just because I enjoyed having an experience where someone could either in reality or pretend that they could understand me. I have no idea whether or not it was true, but but it was helpful. I needed a quiet place that I could validate my reality. So I did that for a lot of years. But um, you know, I've gone through so many different kinds of treatments and programs and events, and uh, and I lost my train of thought. But it'll come back. It's a short track. But no, you um, last year when the pandemic was happening and so much of the world was changing and uh, my business was really struggling and I started having a true, true, deep and meaningful identity crisis. And uh, I called and talked to you about being depressed. And you said, do you remember what you said? I remember a lot of things I've said to you, but I'm not referring, remembering exactly what you're referring to. So the very specific thing that you told me, which saved my life was 
you there's no need to pathologize this. Oh yeah, I remember that conversation. <laughs> there's no need to diagnose it. There's no need. This is a highly intense, massively dynamic world, which I literally was built for. My entire business structure has been built to manage mm-hmm. this dynamic world. And um, and my gifts and talents are just they weren't being utilized because of what was going on in the business, which was the only outlet that I had had for it. And um, which now I have more outlets for it. Um, I was questioning whether or not the world was going to be better with me in it or out of it. I mean, it was a really, really hard place. And instead of saying, what the F is wrong with you? You said, you know, let's, let's not pathologize this. What you're feeling is totally normal. And uh, we're going to get through this, you know, in a real simple way. And you asked me these questions about what did I have to offer the world and people. You said, can, can you offer people hope? And I said, yes. And you said, can you offer it through what you know? And I said, yes. And then that started me on, uh, it, and it took time, but, um, and it was one day at a time, but that started me on the path of keeping going. So when the world caved in again in February, and I was faced with really intense decisions. And then, you know, all of the shifts, I, it didn't, it didn't debilitate me with depression and anxiety. It allowed, I could actually utilize my, my gifts and put things in place and, and walk through it. But I mean, not, not pathologizing your giftedness. It reminds me of, um, Martha Graham, the the I think the legend of her is that she was a hyperactive child, and the school wanted her to go into a special needs group because she couldn't focus or concentrate in class. And the doctor put took her mom into a separate room with one of those see through glass mirrors and said, "Hey, why don't we?" Uh, why don't you just sit here and we'll and we'll be back in a few minutes? And they observed her, and she was just moving all over the place. And he said, "Your daughter doesn't have an issue. She's not. She doesn't have special needs. She's a dancer. Like that's what I think of with gifted people. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me. I am just this. Right. I am yeah. this other. This other. I provide this other experience, and in the world that I live in, with a lot of technology, a lot of strategic decisions, a lot of complexity. I am the I am the human sense human human centered, highly sensitive map maker for opportunities, <laughs> and I help humans see the possibility and the potential and take action on it. I mean that's that's the role I play in that big old big old fantastic world. Right. Yeah. That's the light. Yeah, and I remember that conversation. I remember those day all of, all of our conversations. And it's like you're really highly gifted. And yeah, it might feel really terrible. And it things crash in on us because we got way big ups and way dark lows, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. Because if there was really if there was something that was pathological on top of the giftedness, it would show up in different ways. It would show up across the board more frequently. There'd be other telltale signs you know so it's not like there never is but in your case there certainly isn't just like the card said Mm -hmm. i love that card about daydreaming our into the future and bringing it forward because in that world our intuitive gift is a daydream but Mm -hmm. it's really not we're creating something magical Mm -hmm. which is really kind of fun (laughs) very very fun (laughs) <laughs> so so before before we turn off the recording because we'll probably keep talking but um one of the things i wanted to kind of like talk about a little bit is when we flip the dark side of being gifted on its head mm-hmm. and kind of use the energy for our good or our forward movement our evolution rather than to take us down because so many gifted people kill themselves or get high and drunk and they we never hear from them again or they fry their brain because they just can't take the pain, like you've said. And if that's true. I So if we were going to flip that energy like on its head and look at it from the other side mm-hmm. and start to say, hold on a second, what can we do to like 
like I just kind of see us like maybe Jonah Bark or somebody, you know, like standing the step, the staff in the ground. This is my spot. I'm here for a reason and get out of my way. Kind not in a mean way and in a, in a spiritually sound manner. Like here is my presence. This is, this is what I'm about or something like that. That's kind of what I imagine. But what do you imagine when we turn the dark side on its head? Like, I mean, I mean, there has to be hope in it somewhere or joy in it somewhere, or we both still wouldn't be alive on planet earth today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, what comes through my heart, what comes through my heart, <laughs> um, what comes through my heart is, um, is a, a few experiences that I've had in my life that were very painful where I tried to be like everybody else and it made everything worse for me. And when I say I tried to be like everyone else, I, you know, I would, I would remove things from my schedule. So I was a senior in high school. I decided not to try out for drill team because I was like, I'm going to focus this year. I'm going to focus on academics and I'm going to focus on my spiritual practice. And that was the year when everything went to crap, oli, 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 because yes, I'm highly sensitive. Yes. All of my sensitivities come to me. Like I am absorbing the Milky Way all of the time. Like I am able to hear things all the time. Like I'm able to smell things that through all of the intensities are, are present. And as a result, I have to have tools to filter through things. I'm highly kinesthetic. I'm highly visual. Um, I definitely am a gabber. I love to talk, but the the kinesthetic and the visual are extremely important. I need a tremendous amount of rest. Um, You know, there's just, there's, there's so many, and I cut things out of my life to try to be more focused and the, the thing is, you know, diagnosed ADHD late in life, uh, I don't really uh, prescribe myself to that diagnosis anymore. I am an individual who receives a lot and I must process a lot. And I must be counterbalanced. And what looks like a hyper unfocus is a hyper focus. What looks like a broad swath of abilities is true for me. And everything though is centered around this deep humanity and spiritual connection. So when I shine a light on and try not to act like other people, if when I really listen to the beat of my own drum, it's not even beat my own drum. When I listen to the beat of my own drum, when I listen to my heart, and I follow my heart, which for me is even sometimes more important than my gut. That's the, that's the daydream. Oh my gosh, it is so much fun. <laughs> and it's, it's going to say, if someone who's not highly sensitive, gifted, or talented heard me say this, they would say, that's not even real life. Not only is it more fun, but I literally get to write the rules. Yes. Because the rules don't exist. We create new rules. We understand the spirit of laws. We know how to dance in the chaos. We, because it's not chaos. It's fractal energy that's out in the universe that, that lives within each of us. I mean, I... I, it's, um, it's such a beautiful experience. It's like the movie, it's a beautiful life. Remember that one with yes. Oh, yes. So beautiful, uh, all of the teachers like Victor Frankel, like, um, uh, like that movie, it's a beautiful life. Last night I watched King Richard mm-hmm. who he had, he said, this was the plan, the plan. Do you know what the plan was? The plan was a vision. The plan was was a vision and a dream. And 
And that was the plan. The plan wasn't, okay, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. With highly gifted and talented people, the plan was a dream, but, 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 um, and that literally is the, is the one thing that's, we get dream, we get, I call it like it's, it knocked uh, ideas that knock on the door of our heart because they propel us forward differently than any thought ever could. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for the first time, Diane, am excited about my work, about my life. I'm more excited today. I'm having more fun today than I, I ever, ever have. And definitely more so than I have in the last four years. I mean, cool. it's incredible, but the dream hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The thing that knocked on the door of my heart hasn't changed, but, but I have. Right. Yeah. That's really, that's beautiful. Cause it's true. Like I tell everybody when they say something about reinventing yourself, I'm like, we can't reinvent what's been invented. That the heart right. is the same. The calling is the same. It's what, do, how are we bringing it out? That changes the iteration changes as we evolve yeah. and grow. But the dream is always the same. What we do with it shifts. Yeah. And that's why people go, oh, you reinvented yourself. I said, no, no, it's always been this way. It just looks different based on whatever's going on in the moment, you know? Yeah. And um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, was, um, I was asked a question for a more formalized podcast a few months ago, and one, it was for... Um, entrepreneurs and startups. And one of the questions was, what are you most proud of starting? And my instant response was myself every single day, mm-hmm. every single day, uh, getting this body, mind and heart moving forward, regardless of what expression or functional work or non-functional work I'm doing or experience I'm having is still the thing that I'm most proud of starting every single day. And I believe that only, only the, those who have explored the dark side of the light seekers really, really understand that. I think more people understood it after going through the pandemic um, with all of the challenges. I think that there's a lot to be offered by people who have such intensities and know how to manage them. There's a lot of hope that we can bring to the world on, on just how to, um, how to cultivate the sense of safety, the sense of comfort, the sense of relationship that that's needed. We experience deeply. So we feel deeply. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I told you, I've said it recently, many times. I think that the intense sensitive people are here to, bring the change forward that we have the capacity to see things multifaceted and feel things on such a deep level that, that there's a unique gift within that, even when it's difficult and um, that it's still beautiful. Like you can be joyful and beautiful and difficult and messy all the same time and not, and not be um, in a pathological situation. <laughs> right. Exactly. Be all of those things. And it's not, not a sickness. It's a, yeah. it's a form of beauty. Yeah. I was, um, uh, you talked about feeling like an alien. I think probably one of the, one of the phrases that came through my head a lot through over my lifetime has been, I just felt crazy. I, and really it was, I felt other than, yes, I felt other than other people. And I love, um, there's a great book by Adam Steltzner called the right kind of crazy. That's and good. I believe that's what we're, you know, we're talking about, which is mm-hmm. creating new worlds, being in new worlds. And when I get out of bed in the day and I, 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 every day and I start myself every day, um, it is still with the energy, you know, purpose can be a powerful energy producer and um, almost like a um, almost nuclear, right? Mm-hmm. where it, it really, it's just generating over and over again. And, and I've told people that I, I, I used to get very prescriptive, which is almost the same as pathologizing in my mind, but I used to get very prescriptive with mm-hmm. how the vision 
of uh, my calling was to come about. And then I realized I could work with a single client that serves a million people and I am in service to a million people. Yes. I can I can expand my purpose through through the ripple effect. I can touch one life and make an impact on a billion people. I can and and that I think helped me what I feel in my body is that helped me relieve the pressure. And it also helped me call in the sensitivities as I need them uh, in any given moment by using breath, grounding, you know, some conversational reflective feedback uh, throughout the process. Um, all of those things, all of those things help so that I could both expand my own ability to affect my purpose through action and receive the care that I need. I used to think I wanted a huge company. I now realize that small is really much better for me and we can still make the same impact that I would if, as a matter of fact, if I tried to build a huge company, the universe always responded differently. (laughs) And so I'm like, maybe small but mighty is my unique uh, uh, blueprint for the way the purpose becomes effective. Well, and also a small how, like, you know, it doesn't have to have a lot of people to be big. Yeah. And, and so we're in a society that, 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 that tells us it's a small company if it's less than 100 or less than 200 or less than 500 or whatever the number is, people. Well, I don't know. I think a small company, I don't care how many people are involved, the smaller big in my world has to do with impact. And, and I've been saying my whole life, and I'm so glad to hear you say this, it's a numbers game. So if somebody I help then turns around and another 100 people or 1,000 people or a billion people are impacted by that ripple effect, then in fact, my presence is mighty. Mm-hmm. And the size of the company is irrelevant because I could have a ton of people working for me and us be making no impact or a negative impact, you know, or devolving rather than evolving humankind. And so, you know, and I remember when, when you were like talking about making the company bigger and bigger and I kept saying, Michelle, no, no, that's not what I'm getting. I'm getting something that's way focused and much tighter in, in a cool way, like not a different kind of work, but something more I don't know. I just kept seeing it be more Mm -hmm. concise, I guess is the word. And, and now that your people are getting it, which is Mm -hmm. so huge, but just so huge. I pray one day that'll happen for me. Um, Your people are getting it and things are going that kind of concise paradigm is much more effective because we don't, you know, you're not walking around in a constant overwhelm or the potential for it with noise and lights and, can- and all that stuff. Like, oh, okay, everybody back it up. You know, you, you can be in your flow and in your, your best genius spot yeah. and, and impact a billion people through the people you impact. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, I just think it's cool. It is cool. cool. I think the, you know, the, the darkest side of the dark side is when, um, When, uh, you know, or the dangerous things are, there's something wrong with me. I must be crazy. Uh, And there's that lack of confidence or honoring of uh, the unique thing that just makes us so, so incredible, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out and letting me record this conversation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I hope it was what you... We're looking for or what you kind of imagined as we've had our little conversations over the last year, but uh, happy to have it again and talk about it more. I think it's important because as the, as the, as the media gets more complex, I would say, as the outside voices get more complex, and the reflections more uh, untrustworthy to some extent in that space. 
uh, I think it's important to have real conversations about what it's like and the possibilities. Yes. Like you said, highly sensitive. Real conversations. Yeah. Right. So everybody been listening to Michelle Royal, my really good friend. And so we've been having these conversations. So she gave me permission to record all this and knowingly um, having a conversation about this dark side of being gifted. And we both live in the joy of it as well. Yeah. So until the next episode of this wild mm-hmm. podcast, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and make sure that you check the show notes and let Michelle know you heard her here and let me know you heard Michelle here. And if you have any questions, we're happy to um, answer them and we love dialogue. So have a good one. And don't forget until the next episode of Someone Gets Me. Be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.